It's planting season, and it's not too late to make sure your crops grow up fed and happy. Regardless of your spring crop, Fed and Happy offers a variety of worm-casting solutions in liquid and solid form to supercharge your soil, your yields, and your profitability. For fast, vibrant germination and seedling growth, mix your seed with Fed and Happy's screened granular castings pre-drilling. The Fed and Happy liquid seed treat and extracts offer the ideal mix of soluble solids loaded with living beneficial biology, mycorrhizal fungi, humates, and more. The Fed and Happy small spreadable castings are ideal for fast, easy soil incorporation. The large offer long-term stability and soil growth. But you don't have to figure this out on your own. Just call 833-GO-WORMS to speak with our farm team experts for a fast turnaround on a custom solution for your needs. Fare better against pests, disease, drought, and other potential hazards this season with Fed and Happy Worm Castings. Visit FedandHappy.com for a healthy harvest and any lawn, garden, and tree care needs. Available for pickup and on-farm delivery. That's F-E-D-N-Happy.com. Or call 833-GO-WORMS. Happy planting. Welcome. You're listening to Casually Baked, the podcast. Home base for the can of curious. Thanks for tuning in. It's high time. We had a high time. Together. Together. Yes, it's high time. We had a high time. Hi, y'all. I'm Joe, your host and cannabis lifestyle guide. For the past nine months, I've been navigating the world of business banking for the hemp and cannabis industries. I thought finding a banking partner for my hemp based business would be an easy task, but it turned out to be my biggest headache of 2019. I discovered today's guest somewhere along that journey and she has been an asset in helping me understand and navigate the rocky roads of specialty banking. Dana Chavez is Senior Vice President, Director of Specialty Banking Relations for First Federal Bank of Florida. For five years and counting, Dana has worked tirelessly to build strategic banking, financial, and legislative relationships to further the cannabis industry's access to banking and financial services. Prior to joining First Federal in February of 2019, Dana worked at Hybrid Payroll as the Director of Banking Relations and Partner Colorado Credit Union, also known as Safe Harbor Private Bank, providing some of the earliest access to banking services to the cannabis industry. Previously, Dana taught financial literacy courses at Johnson & Wales University at the CU at Denver Pier 1 program and served on the Partner Colorado Foundation for three years, raising funds for education. Earlier, Dana traveled with the U.S. State Department and the Department of Energy on worldwide energy trade missions, advocating and lobbying on behalf of renewable energy. Dana also does her part to advocate for our industry, including her role as Banking Access Committee Chairman of the National Cannabis Industry Association and her co-authorship of a white paper 
directed to financial institutions and state regulatory agencies on banking the cannabis industry. Most recently, Dana was asked to offer testimony to the House Small Business Committee in Washington, D.C. on banking and lending for the cannabis industry. I'm so grateful to have Dana share her experience and insights with gondrepreneurs like me and those aspiring to enter the hemp and cannabis business. Get ready to understand both the playing field and the pitfalls of banking in the cannabis space and how you can use your voice for change. It's time to get casually banked. I got the bottle of wine, the high dollar kind. I got the West Coast smoke, but I better just take one toast. Dana, thanks so much for joining me on the podcast today. Thank you for having me. Yeah, certainly. I feel like I have the perfect person um, for today's discussion because you are not only an OG when it comes to cannabis banking, but you also have a passion for teaching financial literacy, which I think a lot of us need help with. And you have experience working with the federal government. So this to me is like the trifecta for directing us in this complex and chaotic world of cannabis banking. Well, I've definitely uh, had plenty of opportunity to learn the ins and outs and the ever-changing metamorphosis of this industry over the last six years. You know, we're, we're all newbies and we're all learning. So, you know, what, what can you tell us? Because, you know, there's billions of dollars being generated by the hemp and the cannabis industries. And not many banks seem to want the money. <laughs> I've had my own crazy experience that I've gone through over the last now probably nine months. And I thought maybe with all of your experience that you could unpack that with me and help me make sense of everything that's been going on and also, you know, help consumers understand how the cannabis banking situation affects them directly. Are you up for it? I'll give it, I'll give it my best shot. (laughs) Um, You know, banking the industry, everybody thinks that it should be no big deal and don't understand why banks just aren't accepting this industry with open arms. And uh, there are several reasons. If you talk to many financial institutions, and you call them out of the blue and ask if they can open your marijuana-related business or your CBD and hemp account, you know, tell you no because it's federally illegal, that um, is a lack of education. There are plenty of banks, uh, I would say, not plenty, forgive my word, but um, there are roughly around 50 banks nationwide with an open compliant cannabis banking program. And these banks are able to do that because they have uh, taken a look at all of the risks involved and the expense needed to build a compliant banking program and have decided to work to overcome those risks. Now, of course, it's up to each financial institution individually. So it's a matter of appetite and education. 
Certainly. I That was one of the things that I was excited to hear by the time I finally found you, you know, and that wasn't until probably eight months into my banking headache of a journey, but it really did come down to is the board of directors of that bank interested in doing those extra things because it's not easy to get into the cannabis banking thing. So to me, it felt like there was a lot of laziness and apathy on the on the part of these boards of directors. Well, I'm not so certain I would. And that's, yeah, agree, disagree. Yeah, I, what, yeah. I mean, because that's just like. I don't think it's a matter of laziness. I think it's a matter of, you know, a lot of financial institutions always weigh the risk of any industry that they decide to bank if they single out an industry because, you know, let's face it, there are a lot of uh, high-risk industries that are cash-intensive. And if they're not used to the risk, then, you know, it's definitely their prerogative to not decide to bank this industry because the risks are greater, the logistics uh, the resources needed are, it's expensive from compliance to staffing. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I, I hear every day where people say, well, I bank with, you know, a large national chain bank. I told my banker exactly what we do and they, they take our banking and I always recommend make sure you call the bank in general and ask if they're taking those accounts. Chances are they'll tell you no. Uh, your local branch might be open to your transparency, but when the back of the house finds out and accounting finds out and they're like, whoa, we don't bank this. Uh, and you then know, all of a sudden your account story. So a lot of businesses get misled. Mm-hmm. So tell me then when, when we're seeing how the cannabis industry is growing, how, how it's being accepted more as, um, as just being normalized, I guess I should say, with American citizens? Like, where is that risk in the head of these bankers? Because they know that the appetite for the product is there and that there is money being made. You know, what is that overlying risk besides that it's federally illegal? Or is is that just it, period? They're like, until it's federally legal, we're just not touching it. Uh, you know, that's not the only risk. The other, the other risk is understanding the compliance requirements for this industry. It's very expensive. It's very daunting. And, you know, First Federal is fortunate enough that we have a very robust um, uh, compliance department. And we've, you know, we've traditionally banked high-risk industries. And so, we felt that it was worth our while to take the risk and, you know, take care of the expenses in order to provide a compliant banking program. Now we use a compliance platform from a third party source uh, that helps us with our KYC requirements and our daily monitoring of funds. You know, it's no longer a $15 an hour Teller position is a $60,000, $70,000 BSA, AML certified compliance position. It's a private banker. 
uh, and there's a lot of education that all the staff involved needs needs to be a part of, and that that's expensive for a bank to undertake. Uh, you know, and a lot of banks just don't know where to start mm-hmm. for compliance. Nobody wants to nobody wants to reinvent the wheel, and you know there are a few programs out there and. Fortunately, I've I've had the luxury of uh, being able to be a part of a couple. So, and could you you know they're, for people that may be interested in something like that, people that may be in the the banking industry but want to have that cannabis focus, where would they go to find a program like that, or to find a bank that was interested in creating a program like that? Uh, when I served as chairman for the Banking Access Committee for the National Cannabis Industry Association, we had initiatives for our particular committee uh, to put together educational resources for not only the general consumer, but for banks as well on how to educate themselves on how do they start a compliant banking program or how do I get a bank account and how do I keep it? So there are resources through associations like the cannabis, like the National Cannabis Industry Association and their committees. And when we, when we involve ourselves in these committees, uh, our goal is specifically to create those avenues for education for the general public and businesses as well. That's perfect. I'll make sure to um, find a couple of those and specifically the NCIA um, that you've been so heavily involved in and include it in the show notes. Thank you. Um, and also you gave testimony on changing the verbiage on the SBA lending programs to include hemp and CBD. Um, can you tell me just a little bit about that too? The testimony was geared towards Congress to urge SBA to change the verbiage in their lending programs, whether it's their microloans or what have you, to include resources uh, for marijuana-related businesses, CBD and hemp. Right now, there are CBD programs uh, lending available for CBD and hemp, but not THC, and we are still working on that. And I appreciate that very much as someone who (laughs) has been run through the ringer trying to get a bank account. And, you know, now I am, fingers crossed, going to be um, funded in the next couple of days. Um, But, yeah, it's been really challenging to get my footing. And it was just blowing my mind because I just thought, okay, the farm bill passed. You know, we are being encouraged to create and to purchase within the hemp and um, CBD space, but it's just as difficult for me to do business in this space as it is if I were a cannabis business. And that was really shocking to me. A lot of people haven't learned or have been educated on the difference between CBD and hemp versus cannabis. And it's too closely associated and it's still so new that a lot of people are letting financial institutions such as myself be the guinea pigs and prove that we can provide banking services and ancillary services to this industry. So it's again, it's a matter of education and appetite. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I remember spending, I don't know, probably a month and a half just going on interview after interview with banks and filling out gobs of paperwork. I mean, you just walk in the door and they immediately, you know, you're telling them everything and then some, and only to find out, you know, at, by the end of the the chat that, you know, they're not going to do business with you. But as soon as you walk in the door, they make you give up all of this information. So I was just getting really, really frustrated with the process because I'm like, dang, like there's like seven banks that have all of my information now and none of them gave me any business. And, you know, out of desperation, I ended up looking up and and turning to the non-traditional banking options that are available for cannabis businesses. And again, was completely floored when I found out that it was going to cost me, you know, between $500 and $2,000 a month simply to have a bank account. <laughs> I'm like, I can't afford that. I'm actually surprised that anybody that didn't take your business would let you go that far in the process before. Oh, are you kidding me? Turning you down. I, you know, the first question I always get is, do you take CBD, hemp, or marijuana-related businesses? Well, yes, I do. There are a few caveats. Let me tell you what they are, and we'll just you let me know if you want to proceed. Mm-hmm. It's as simple as that. Um, there's no sense in wasting anybody's time unnecessarily. Well, and, you know, um, there was a little situation, too, where one bank was – the local branch totally on board you know i'm very transparent because as when you get rejected that much you walk in and you're like i'm creating a hemp-based cbd muscle rub <laughs> like will you bank with me or not and one of them got so far as the accounts opening but then their merchant services guy that they put me on the phone with he was like i really don't know why i'm talking to you because we don't take CBD business we can't bank with you (laughs) and I'm like uh y'all need to have a meeting (laughs) because this has literally been a four-hour waste of my time I left that bank crying that day it was oh it was hardcore you know I see that happening all of the time and unfortunately and from what I know about the larger national uh, chain banks is the local branches. They're happy to take your business because they get credit on bringing you in and opening an account for you, regardless of how transparent you are. They get their, you know, they get their credit for opening that account up front, you know, so. And then if the account closes. Yeah, no skin off their nose if your account gets closed within 30 days because they've already gotten the credit for opening it. Got it. Uh, That makes a lot of sense. uh, (laughs) That's a hot mm -hmm. tip. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so some of these non-traditional banking options, what are some of the ones that you've seen out there and, you know, for people that can't find a bank, which ones of these non-traditional options do you think um, are most viable for a, a small cannabis business? Viable, a non-traditional bank. 
I can't say that I know of any. Yeah. Uh, there are definitely uh, so-called payment solution providers or so-called banking solution providers out there. And if they can't give you complete access direct to a bank, then it's not a banking solution, is it? Uh, if they act as a concierge and don't let you have direct access to your bank account, again, that's not a banking solution for you. If they say, well, you have to deposit a minimum of $100,000, but you can't touch 50000 of it, how many businesses do you know have that kind of money to spare and not touch? Right, right. Uh, I, I don't recommend. If they can't tell you who their bank partner is, uh, I would be wary of that. If they do tell you who their banking partner is, I would call that bank directly, ask them if they accept, you know, accounts for the industry, and maybe ask if they know the company that you're working with. I've done that a lot. Yeah, that's and a great, they that's a know, great idea. Yeah. If they don't know the company or the company can't give you any information, I wouldn't give anybody any money. And if the if that bank is willing to work with this third party, then why wouldn't they want to work with you directly? The worst thing they can do is say no, but, you know, it's worth the ask. And, of course, I ended up hiring um, what I call a banking matchmaker. Um, my business advisor, you know, he kept throwing me different names of banks and then finally sent me these guys are um, on the East Coast. And... You know, I think they charged like a thousand dollar fee for a cannabis business. They were doing a special, and because I was a hemp based CBD, they gave me a discount. So I think I spent like five hundred dollars or something. But at least they were they started sending me the names of banks and contact information to banks that were willing to take my business. So instead of me just shooting in the dark, I now had a targeted list of names to go after. So that's how I ended up meeting you. So I um, am very grateful for that. And um, I am very grateful to say that First Federal Bank of Florida is my bank. Thank you very much. Thank you. When I called, I'm like, oh, this woman is the director of specialty banking relations. Like she is specifically working with cannabis and other specialty industries but cannabis was your hot button and that was the first bank that I called that actually had that position mm -hmm. and uh, your particular matchmaker uh, the reason there are some matchmakers are because uh, oftentimes a lot of banks that enter the cannabis and CBD hemp space it's not public information and so a lot of times they only give that information to your matchmaker and say okay yes you can send an email introduction and as long as your matchmaker and you were fortunate was able to provide you with a legitimate financial institution worked for you but there are some out there that um, actually charge a small fortune for that information that sometimes doesn't lead anywhere. Yeah. 
Um, good information. So it's always good to get referrals. So if you find somebody that you're interested in, asking them for one or two references is a great idea because we are talking about <laughs> the foundation of your business, you know, your finances. You want to make sure you're not building on a shady foundation. Right. Right. And it's, it's been working so far. Uh, we've had a, we've had a wonderful start to our program, which was launched last April and we're going strong and, you know, we have the ability to take on uh, more clients. We're structured internally to where we don't have to, you know, we don't have to space out our account openings. Some banks can only open a few accounts a month. And so there's a waiting list. And, you know, that's frustrating because you don't know when whatever bank is going to be able to get you set up for checking. Yeah. And uh, on the West Coast in particular, uh, California is one of the least banked states in the industry. Yeah, I found that out the hard way. <laughs> well, there's a few reasons for that, but uh, it, it's all about the regulatory agencies and how well they are working with their licensing and regulations and the comfort level of the banks with that process. And, you know, at first I was like, oh, I'm going to be banking in Florida, but in my head, I'm like, you're lucky you're banking at all. So get excited about that. But really, I mean, in the world of finance, when they shut down shop in New York, you know, days over. So you're in California banking with someone on the other coast. It's really not any different. You're not going into your bank anyway these days. You know, everything's online. My process went actually fairly quickly once I got through the, the application process and whatnot with FFBF. I've just introduced like myself as a client of yours. I haven't had any hiccups. Is there anything, um, any sort of business promo you want to add right here? Uh, we do take CBD and hemp clients in every single state. We are a federally chartered mutual bank, which does allow us to openly bank customers in all 50 states and U.S. territories. We do take cannabis accounts. However, there's a small caveat as far as uh, businesses that have revenue derived directly from the touching of the plant, dispensaries, cultivations, et cetera. We're only taking those accounts in the state of Florida right now, and we're working on uh, expanding our operations into other states. Um, and that's where we control our growth a little more because we have too many controls logistically that we have to make sure that are in place internally and externally before we make that move. But for larger businesses that are plant touching that have uh, capital raised funds, investment funds, uh, need a depository account for funds outside of the revenue from the daily touching of the plant, mm -hmm. we can take those businesses and those accounts in every state as well. Awesome. So we can offer our CBD and hemp customers all the traditional banking products and services like, you know, debit cards, checks wires, ACH, bill pay, 
Uh, we also have the ability to offer business credit cards, business lines of credit, and uh, financing on certain projects, real estate, equipment, whatever, to the CBD and hemp customers that we are not allowed at this time to offer to our cannabis clients. I think it's great. I, I love it. And I think it actually makes a lot of sense that you're just focusing the plant touching piece to Florida right now, because you're right. Every state's completely different. And I mean, that's like drinking from the fire hose, trying to figure all that out at once. So I think the next big hurdle, once once you get your account, once you have it set up, your debit cards ordered, and you're starting to feel like a, a real grown up with a real business <laughs> Then it's the merchant services piece, which is the next hurdle on the track. And that's actually where I am right now is, you know, trying to find a merchant services company that will work within the CBD and hemp space. So do you have any suggestions on how we tackle that? Uh, You know, we don't provide those services directly right now, although we're looking at a couple of companies uh, to work partner with so that we can provide those services directly. We're hoping to be able to provide merchant services directly within the next 60 days or so. Uh, So it's a little ways out, but in the meantime, I do have a couple of companies that I refer people to via email as they come to me, but, you know, Visa and MasterCard have publicly come out and stated that they will not allow their cards to be used on the credit rails for this industry. So when you see a payment solution company offering services, which there are many, they often operate in a gray area and and what that's called is a, a pin debit solution. So when you go to a retail dispensary or what have you, or those charges come across as an ATM withdrawal rather than an actual purchase. So that's how a lot of these payment processors are working. And it's just, it's really hard to find the right one that will work, that'll suit your needs. And, uh, you know, of course, because this is a complex industry It requires complex complex solutions, and therefore the fees are a little higher than what you'd expect to see. So if you can find a provider, yeah, you know, it's it's going to be expensive, but right now it's the cost of doing business. Either you want to get started and, you know, hold out for a better solution, or you can put everything on hold. Right. And I think this merchant services piece really becomes the thing that affects the consumers the most because everybody who goes into a dispensary, you know, you have that experience of, oh, this is cash only or um, we're going to round up to the nearest five dollars and charge you and give you change. And you're standing there like, well, why? What's happening right now? But that's why. It's because everybody's having to get creative with how we can make this transaction happen. Right. And do it as legally as possible because we don't want to get kicked out of the ability to use Visa MasterCard for the rest of our lives because 
if you get caught, they will blackball you and your business will never be allowed to utilize those services again, regardless if it becomes federally legal or whatever. You know, a lot of people don't think of that and they don't realize there's a lot of constraints with this industry and it's not on purpose. It's just that, you know, everybody's, you know, Visa, MasterCard, companies like that, they are waiting for it to become federally legal. Yeah. And I recall from one of our previous conversations that you had told me that a normal business has a 70 to 73 percent profit margin and that the cannabis industry is less than 20 percent profit margin due to all of these fees and the fact that they can't write things off. So that does end up showing up on the shelves with the prices of products. And, you know, we want to encourage people to shop on the on the legal market, but that's why a lot of people end up turning to the black market. But it's like this vicious cycle where we're like, we need you to shop and purchase these products legally and, you know, help us get federal legalization going. And then, you know, <laughs> mm-hmm. then we can bank normally. So it's just like this, like a tail chasing situation. It's a vicious circle, that's for sure. We are making some headway. Again, it's just education, 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 and getting all of your legislators to understand your business obstacles and how it affects your your daily life, your business life, the the economy, and the district in which your legislator is in. So when, when they see how it affects their district and the people in their district, they tend to pay a little bit more attention and see what they can do. And we're making headway slowly but surely. Do you have tips for people networking in that banking space or, you know, courting a bank? Some etiquette, some things you should do, some things you shouldn't do that would kind of give someone a leg up and make make them feel prepared before they head into a meeting with a banker? Well, you know, keep in mind that, you know, transparency is key. Paying attention to direction and instructions is imperative. Uh, I spend more time in my day going back and forth, recapturing items that were missed because they just didn't think it applied to them. Uh, As you know, Joanna, your banker becomes your very best friend. (laughs) I'm going to ask you everything about you. I'm going to look into every part of your life. And when you start making deposits and withdrawals, I may ask you, where's this going? Where did this come from? You know, keep in mind, don't get angry with your banker. Be glad that you have one. I'm not asking these questions to be nosy or to be strict or stringent. I'm asking these questions to cover our assets and to be able to maintain a compliant banking program. We don't want to be shut down by the OCC. We want to make sure that we're dotting all the I's and crossing all the T's. And some people get kind of angry and put out by the information that is required yeah. What is, what is the alternative? What is the alternative? And you know what? It's it's a time-consuming process. You oftentimes, especially for cannabis-related business accounts, 
it's not going to happen overnight. It could take a month and a half to get your account open after you've submitted your application. Mm -hmm. Uh, CBD and hemp, it's not as intrusive, but still it could take anywhere from three days to two weeks to get your account open. Uh, I just ask for patience and flexibility and transparency. And just, just know that we're opening accounts to the best of our ability as quick as possible to accommodate your business needs. Uh, because, you know, if you're successful in your business, then we're going to be successful. We're not here to deter you or stifle you in any way. Uh, so I, I totally uh, relate to all of this because <laughs> I was getting super frustrated through this process and my business advisor told me, Joanna, the people who are successful here are the ones who can outlast the process. Just get the form, breathe through it, fill it out. You know, when you get the ask, just breathe through it, get it done. And if you can outlast the process, then you will be successful. And it's like, you know, nine months later and I'm finally about to be funded. And I'm like, wow, I was ready to lose it seven months ago. Anyway, um, I think that's all great advice. And one thing at a time, keeping it organized. I think I get more uh, pats on the back from my uh, business advisor for sending organized emails like, here are the things you asked for. Like, these are the things that are attached. These are the questions that I have. This is what I still owe you. You know, just keeping all of the craziness organized also makes you uh, a more attractive person to do business with. Well, and that helps me too. If I'm dealing with 2,000 customers and they're all sending me 12 emails a day, what do you think my schedule looks like? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so, and I work very hard to make sure that I address every email every day and every phone call every day. Once in a while, something might have to wait till the next day, but right now I sometimes work 12, 14 hours a day, seven, uh, six days a week. There's one day of the week where I refuse to answer emails and that's on Saturday, but that's because I realized that this industry is like no other industry. And it's for me, it's not a nine to five job because you as a business person, you should know best that you're so busy during the day doing everything else uh, that sometimes you don't have time to address your banking needs until after hours mm -hmm. when you, when things calm down for you mm -hmm. and you need to know that you can ask a question. I'm always available to listen. In the beginning, that's, that's imperative because you need to know these things. Now, hopefully I'll get to the point where I can trim down my hours a little, yes. <laughs> but I still want to make sure that everybody gets the, the service and the answers that they need. And that's why I'm a customer. So what is on the horizon for cannabis banking? Is there anything particular that you're excited about um, in 2020? I don't anticipate anything new. Uh, there have been a couple of bills that have been sponsored to deschedulize uh, cannabis from the Schedule One. And, uh, you know, the Safe Banking Act has been put on the shelf. Um, 
personally, I don't think that the Safe Banking Act is going to open the doors as fluid as people seem to think it will. But things are progressing, and we'll just have to see how the Senate gets through things and see what happens because there are some bills sitting on the Senate floor waiting for approval or answers of some sort. It's just a matter of patiently waiting and seeing what we need need to do to continue to advocate on our behalf. Okay. Well, do you have a, a shameless plug? Anything that you think I and the audience need to know? Uh, you know... I have many that I could I could plug and <laughs> honestly honestly I would like to uh talk about the credit union that I used to work for Partner Colorado Credit Union they started a cannabis banking program but they also have a foundation uh a Growing Hope Foundation uh and that is an avenue for cannabis businesses to support worthy causes that they believe in and give back to their communities. And they always do well and they often fund uh, veteran initiatives through their cannabis banking foundation. I love that. I love that. I'll be sure and, um, and spotlight them in the show notes. Okay. Thank you. Dana, I so appreciate you and what you're doing and how you ended up in my life. And I'm excited to get MJ skin off the ground. And I wouldn't have been able to do that without you. And, and I appreciate, you know, what you're doing for other cannabis businesses like me. Thank you. I appreciate it. Thank you for having me today. The Safe Banking Act Dana mentioned passed through the U.S. House of Representatives at the end of 2019 and now sits in committee in the Senate. We need a collective effort to push this important legislation along. NCIA, in collaboration with other cannabis-related organizations, drafted a letter to Senate Banking Committee Chairman Mike Crapo, urging him to move the House version of the Safe Banking Act through committee and to the Senate floor for a vote. The letter also addressed serious concerns the industry finds with one of Senator Crapo's suggested amendments to limit the provisions of the Safe Banking Act to products containing less than 2% THC. So ultimately, he's trying to cut cannabis out of the safe banking equation. This is where you come in. We need the help of businesses in the cannabis industry to join us in letting Chairman Crapo know how important it is to move the Safe Banking Act through committee this session of Congress. I'm including the link in the show notes at casuallybake.com to add your name to the growing list of industry voices calling for fair and safe banking access. You'll also find more information about Dana and First Federal Bank of Florida, as well as details on the Growing Hope Foundation she told us about, created in 2016 by Partner Colorado Credit Union. Partner Colorado Credit Union is a thought leader in cannabis industry banking with the primary goals of making our community safer and serving the underserved. So if you had no banking leads before this show, you at least know that there is a great credit union in Colorado that you can reach out to. And First Federal Bank in Florida is also an amazing choice. 
One of the biggest advantages of being active in a community is the rapid dissemination of knowledge and the teaming together for resource sharing and greater impact. If you know someone who's struggling with the banking headaches of getting their cannabis or hemp business off the ground, I hope you'll share this podcast with them. And if you don't already subscribe to the podcast, do it or don't, but do, my friend. It's free, and it helps more listeners discover this highly responsible cannabis content. Now, if you're picking up what I'm putting down, rate and review the podcast on iTunes or Apple Podcasts. It takes a village, people, to spread this good word. It also takes money. So if you find value in the edutainment I provide, please make your way over to patreon.com backslash casually baked to become a podcast patron. And because I want to make sure that this value proposition continues as a thank you, I also share exclusive content and offers with my podcast patrons. Together, we can puff, puff, pass it on. Casually Baked, the podcast was created, recorded, and produced by yours truly. Editing and sound design are in the capable hands of Arnav Gupta. The podcast theme music is by my highly talented friend, Seth Walker. If you aren't familiar with Seth's music, you can find High Time on his album, Gotta Get Back, wherever you're buying your music these days. I know he didn't create High Time for me, but it sure as shit sounds like he did, right? I hope you'll tune in next time. Thanks for hanging out. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. Hey friends, I'm Brandon And I'm Saba. And we are your host of the Cannabis Hangout Podcast, an educational platform to connect with the cannabis community and share personal stories while breaking the stigma of marijuana. Join us every Sunday at 7 p.m. to gain valuable insight with different perspectives from industry leaders, growers, and medical marijuana patients. This is a place to learn so much from different angles in the cannabis industry. So tune in while, while we, we break, break it all down. down.